That's great. All right. Guys, I appreciate the, the fun and the laughter. It seems, it seems like a silly exercise, I know, but we, um, I, yeah, I just kind of noticed that as we are all kind of laughing and chatting and connecting with each other, it's easier for us to maybe dig into some, some more serious stuff when we move into the actual class period, if we've all had a time to kind of laugh and realize, oh, hey, you're like me. You, you like your toilet paper the, the correct way or the incorrect way. Anyway, so we're going through this book, uh, The Five Languages of Apology. I've mentioned before, on Amazon, paperback copies of this seem to be going from third-party sellers somewhere in the $20 range, hardback copies in the $50 range. I have no idea why this is so expensive. You can buy copies of The Five Love Languages for, um, for like seven or eight bucks. Oh, my father-in-law was telling me yesterday, though, that he did find a copy of this for $2 on Amazon. And when he got it, he realized it was in Chinese. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was not good for him. But we're going through this book. Let me ask, uh, let me ask this question, just kind of a review from last year. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Five Languages of Apology. And Brian, if you want to come up after class and take a picture of this, you're welcome to do so. Anybody else who wants to take a picture of this, you're welcome to do so. I'll try to set it right there so you can maybe kind of be reminded of it. You found it on eBay for 10? Okay. And if you don't mind you know, like writing or highlighting in your book, that's probably another good place to go check it out too. Yeah. Did somebody somebody's gonna say something? Also you like half price books. Yeah. Yeah, there's a half price books over near um, over near Target and uh, Five Guys over there, uh, just off of Staples. So anyway, quick review question. We covered this last week, but again, since we've got some new faces in here, I think it would be helpful for us. What are you looking for in an apology? Somebody you think, uh, like one of your loved ones, you feel like they've wronged you in some way or hurt you in some way. What are you looking for in an apology from them? Yes, sir. Sincerity. Sincerity. Yeah. Yeah, that was one we mentioned. Uh, Hunter, what were you going to say? Taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. Okay. Hunter Without is. Strings. Without strings? So, yeah, like. Or a but. Or oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> an addition to it. I'm sorry, but. But, yeah. We actually, I've got a question. <laughs> Two questions down is how effective is I'm sorry, but we'll get to that. Anybody else, what are you looking for in an apology? Yeah, yeah, not just blowing it off. Yeah, yeah. If they, are, if they are a loved one, and that's the kind of hypothetical scenario that we put together here, if they're a loved one, then it should be important to you how they are feeling, especially whether intentionally or not, you did something that led them to feel that way. Yeah, very good. So we've got um, sincerity, um, <clears throat> accepting responsibility, Kind of validation of that. What else? What um, What are you looking for in an apology from somebody? Uh, understanding of what you did wrong. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I like help me kind of understand what I said that may have hurt you, or maybe I was, you know, uh, unaware that you wanted me to do whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? What are you looking for in an apology? Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, admitting you did something wrong. Yeah, it's, and it's like, that's like a more specific way of recognizing, okay, I, I messed up, it's kind of taking responsibility, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so last week, the l first language of apology that we talked about was expressing regret. So that was the first one, expressing regret. Basically where we kind of learn how to say simply, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I forgot this thing. I'm sorry I inconvenienced you. Just, I'm sorry. Maybe with a little bit of elaboration. Let's dig into that for a little bit. How does including details in an apology change the apology? You could just say, I'm sorry, but if you say, I'm sorry because I did, how does that change things? Yeah. Very true. Yeah, you can kind of, you know, and it could just be, you know, sort of miscommunication. I'm sorry. I, th I thought we were going to do X, Y, and Z, but I realize now I just assumed that. That's probably the majority of mine and Linnea's, yeah, you know, not even really arguments. It's just like I'll, I'll do something and I'll, I'll think, oh, okay, I didn't know that was your plan. I assume I had just envisioned that we were going to do this in this way. And then that's, yeah, that's it, solves it. Okay, what about this? Uh, yeah, Adrian, yeah. I was gonna say, maybe this is the answer to the first one, but it's nice when it's self-initiated. Ooh, yeah. Your children, you know. <laughs> say, tell your brother you're sorry. Yeah, or sorry. Yeah, having an almost teenager now, it's, uh, you have something you wanna say to your mom, you know? Yeah. Trying to help me out. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Uh, I mentioned last week this little story of uh, it, at end of last, or I guess not, yeah, not yesterday, but like last Sunday before that, weekend before last, Pete and I had a really rough night one night, and uh, we were both, both really frustrated with each other. In the morning, he was in the playroom, and I saw him down there, I went down there to him, I was like, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry for getting so grumpy with you last night, and he... Un, it, like unrequested, right? Uninitiated. Like, I, I, I didn't initiate this. He said specifically, I'm sorry for getting out of my room. It's like he gave me a specific detail of something he knew that we had talked about before. That made a big difference. I was, I was pleasantly surprised at the emotional maturity this four-year-old <laughs> four shared in that moment. Uh, let me ask this question too. Have you ever corrected a problem Maybe somebody has said, hey, um, I was hoping that maybe you would do X, Y, and Z instead of A, B, and C, or maybe you realize that you hurt your loved one in some way, and then you didn't say you're sorry, but you went ahead and corrected the problem. How does that end up working out? Have you ever corrected a problem without saying sorry when you needed to? What happens then? You can build up resentment, yeah, yeah, because it, it doesn't really seem like you acknowledged, right, what happened. To some that. degree, okay. I mean, Fair enough, yeah, you can, uh, yeah, 
I'd say most of the time, sure. Especially if you can, well, actions speak louder than words. Yeah, I'll affirm that generally. How much more than words with actions when they match up? When they're together. Yeah, and that's, oh, that's fair. Like, and that's nothing novel, but yeah. What is it, Clay? Right. Right. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. We're, and we've been speaking really generally here. It's just fixing the toilet paper. Notice that key fixing. Sure, yeah, yeah. Right, that would be an example. Then I don't think actions necessarily. Right, and like I said earlier, like generally, I think what Rory was saying is that, yeah, in a lot of cases, absolutely. You know, actions speak louder than the words, but this might be a particular instance when maybe verbally acknowledging. But that's something that we had mentioned earlier about, like, what are you looking for in apology? What we've been hitting on here with what Rory mentioned, with what Katie mentioned, are actually some of the different languages of apology kind of in play here. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, Wendy, I think it was you, I think you mentioned this uh, earlier. How effective is this? I'm sorry, but does anything good usually no. come after a but? It almost negates it. It almost just feels like it wasn't an Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but when you do that, it makes me so mad. The implication is maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's your fault that I lost control of my emotions, but the question is, who has control of my emotions? I do. I do. COVID hit us hard last year. Hit everybody hard. Hit everybody in similar ways, but also in some slightly different ways. It was, it was rough. We were, um, well, we were still in Kentucky when it happened, and... Um, it's like right around uh, mid-March and up in where we're living in Kentucky, mid-March, it's still consistently unpleasant weather. It's tough to get outside. So we were cooped up, the four of us, in a house and just like, that, that was it. Okay, here you are. Bad weather in a, in a house. Like, couldn't get out even into the backyard on a nicer day because with all the rain and snow and everything that we typically have up there, the backyard's just squishy and ugly. And so it was, it was really rough. And... Um, I'll be honest, and I say this as a way of maybe encouraging you if you think that you have ever needed to go this route. I had to, uh, I had to call up an old uh, professor friend of mine who's a, who's a licensed professional counselor and a marriage family therapist. I had to ask him, can you do a few sessions with me? I'm really handling this poorly and I'm taking it out on my family. And that's not cool. And I really don't want to do this to my kids. And so we, we talked and he recommended a book called Scream, not screen as in phone screen, but scream as in yelling, Scream-Free Parenting. Scream-Free Parenting, incredibly helpful. It should be obvious, right? Don't let this tiny person have control of your emotions. Yeah, like that should be obvious. But it, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I didn't realize that you know, I, I could actually maintain that. <coughs> And what he needed was for me to be 
you know, calm, you know, stereotypically calm, cool, and collected. I didn't realize that. That has been a huge help in, uh, in not just parenting, but also like in any kind of situation, any kind of tense situation or anything along those lines. But that's, uh, that is something that I think is really useful for us. Let the apology, right? When you say, I'm sorry, but, often what comes, uh, what comes next is not especially helpful. So just let the apology do its job. And then eventually, later, you can find a more constructive, helpful, less accusing way to discuss maybe what you were going to say after you say but. Okay. Let me ask this then. When it, since last week we're talking about expressing regret, which is a, um, another way of saying learning how to say I'm sorry in ways that are really meaningful. When is I'm sorry not enough? When is I'm sorry not enough? Consistently happens, yeah. Is that uh, no change of behavior? Yeah, okay. So it, it, it's starting to look less sincere, right? Brian mentioned sincerity as something that he's really looking forward in an apology. Yeah, and that, that's another good example, uh, going back to what Rory was saying, when actions would speak louder than words there, too. I mean, you could say you're sorry continually. But your actions are indicating that maybe you're not really as remorseful as you indicate. So, so is saying it always acceptable to first offense? Uh, <laughs> because it seems like, like the general consensus here was, I'm sorry is not okay on repeat. But is there an instance where I'm sorry isn't acceptable for the first offense? I think if it's like a huge thing that is like, so like an affair, right? You wouldn't uh, say yeah. Right. There would need to be maybe a lot more. Well, I mean, no, she said, yeah, like, think of, yeah, goodness, yikes. Yeah, that's going to get, it's going to get serious real fast. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, like, that's a, that's a good example when, and Wendy nuanced that carefully, when it's a, an extraordinarily serious and grave matter, then yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Yeah. I think we would definitely need to see more along those lines. Oh, like what? When I was in the pros of addiction, I ran into that. Yeah. I ran into that. I mean, I'm sorry, but. I thought, I thought it, not necessarily but, but it was just, I'm sorry. All the time. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And that's still doing the same behavior. Exactly. But, yeah. 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 And, you know, you just, all I said it for was just to get out of trouble. I didn't really mean anything I said yeah. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long, that's a long, hard road to walk. Yeah. One instance, and again, we're speaking generally here. One instance when I think sorry, simply saying I'm sorry, or even meaning I'm sorry, is not enough. Is maybe when it's especially important for the person to whom you're apologizing, right? It's especially important for them to know you understand what you did that hurt them. So the second apology language that we're going to get into is called accepting responsibility. And we've been hitting on it all this morning as we kind of talked through this. So the first language of apology was expressing regret. We talked about last week. Basically learning how to say the words, I'm sorry, in a meaningful way. And especially if you need to be able to say that 
in a way that you know, specifies the reason why you're sorry, like what Pete did with me. Daddy, I'm sorry I got out of my room last night. Honey, I'm sorry I put the toilet paper on wrong <laughs> again. No. But accepting, yeah, we'll, uh, Mark, we'll get to that in just a little. We'll, we'll wrap up with, uh, with you. The question was, well, okay, we're already there, so. Um, the, the question was, does the toilet paper roll come off the top or from the back? It should come off the top, but I know of circumstances where people have like a test that will unravel it, where maybe you have to do it the wrong way. The wrong way, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the nuance and sensitivity to, uh, to people's pet issues. <laughs> no, but accepting responsibility means being able to admit that you were wrong in one way or another. It means really being able to acknowledge your role in hurting a loved one. And this is something that we've hit on several times here before. Like you actually realize you and you verbalize that. Now actions like correcting a correcting the behavior, correcting the problem behavior is one way of acknowledging that. In this particular instance, I think what these authors are envisioning is that not only will you correct the behavior, you will also verbalize that. So that way you can have that you kind of double effect of actions and words both confirming each other, indicating, okay, I realize I was wrong in this instance. I recognize that what I said or what I did hurt you in these ways. All right, so basically learning how in a healthy way, right, in a healthy way, not in a self-destructive way, but in a healthy way to admit that you were wrong in that instance. Taking ownership is something that's quite different than Very true. Yeah, very true. And that's in the, it basically what Joe's given us here is just another way to say what I was trying to indicate by talking about a healthy way to do this. Wallowing in your problem rather than taking ownership, accepting responsibility for it. Yeah, very different. Being stuck in the problem. Yeah. One is ultimately self-destructive. The other one can be can be restorative, yeah, it, it, it can repair, it, 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 can, it can fix a relationship. All right, let me ask this question. Does admitting you're wrong, does admitting you're wrong mean you have less worth as a person? No, absolutely not. Can it feel that way sometimes? I've seen a few people nod their heads. Why? What do you think? I don't know. I think like it's to be able to self-evaluate and see that you have a flaw or a problem or, or something. Like I, I think that would be a positive, not a negative. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But are there instances where maybe someone has learned a negative pattern of behavior over time and for some reason they have a real problem with admitting they're wrong? Yeah. Definitely true. It, very much so. It is. What I have noticed sometimes, though, maybe you've noticed this either in your own life or in maybe somebody else's, somebody else that you're close to, that they have such a hard time 
admitting they're wrong because when they feel like they're admitting they're wrong, they feel like maybe they are exposing their own weakness in some way. I've seen a lot of heads nod now. Sometimes we, need to, we feel the need to maybe justify our actions, right? Even though, objectively speaking, we could all probably say, yeah, that was, that was not cool. You shouldn't have done that. You, you hurt this other person. But sometimes we feel the need to justify our actions rather than take responsibility, take ownership for them, in order not to feel or appear weak. Now we're going to get into a little bit of child psychology here. This is coming directly from these guys. So this is, this is their observations over combined decades of you know, actual you know, therapy and, and counseling sessions. And so I, I'm, I'm relying to some degree, to a large degree, on their judgment here. But this is, this is what they've noticed, that when, when an adult has trouble, even though they, yeah. objectively, we could say, with confidence that, yeah, they've done something wrong. But when an adult has trouble admitting they are wrong, even in like just one in particular instance, right? They don't have to wallow in it. It doesn't have to be you know, a, 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 a session of self-hatred. If an adult has trouble admitting that they're wrong, it often, according to them, starts in childhood. And here's a quote from these guys. When a child is overly punished, condemned, or shamed for minor offenses, the sense of self-worth is diminished. Subconsciously, the child makes the emotional link between wrong behavior and low self-worth. Thus, to admit to be wrong, excuse me, to admit wrong is to be bad. And the child who grows up with this emotional pattern will have difficulty admitting wrongdoing as an adult because to do so strikes at his or her self-esteem. What do you think? Just, re let's reflect on this together. Have you noticed this maybe in your life or in somebody else's life that you've seen? What do you think? It's a lot of heads nod. Maybe this hits kind of close to home. Yeah. 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 It has a lot to do with either like what you're trying to project or where you get your sense of self worth from. Sure. And so, yeah, if, I, if I'm trying to project myself as someone who is perfect and doesn't make mistakes, or I think for me it hinges a lot around competence. You know, the things I, the things I want to claim I know something about, I really hate being wrong about. Oh, yeah. Makes you feel undermined in every other way. Yeah, that uh, that's it's funny, Mark, that you mentioned specifically competence. Um, I had I had a section in here where I, I was going to talk about something related to that, and basically I decided for the interest of time to cut it, but I'll just refer to it. Basically, for me, you know, a, a lot of when I, a lot of times when I will be rude to Linnea. It's because she has totally unintentionally done something that in some way I, I feel like has cut at one of those areas that I'm sensitive about, and it's usually related to competence. There, I mean, in my worst moments, you know, I, I will, I'll say something along the lines of, look, I'm not stupid, okay? I just didn't know that this was what you were thinking, right? Y'all can see Linnea laughing up here. <laughs> 
But those are those are those instances, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's fair, yeah. Sometimes you can do something you think is right, or believe is right, or has been right every other time. Right. In this instance, it hurts somebody. Yeah. And there's something wrong in the order, but you still have to talk about that. You can still, yeah, yeah, like it's not, maybe that's not a thing that is always wrong, like you mentioned, Henry, but maybe, maybe in this particular instance, it wasn't either the best option or it, for whatever reason, maybe for no fault of your own, it was perceived incorrectly. It does get kind of muddy in these kinds of areas. I was going to bring yeah. that up earlier. That one that I have a hard time with sometimes is if something happens that hurts my wife's feelings or she's upset about something, I know I need to apologize about it because of the way the situation made her feel. Yeah. But sometimes I don't feel like I did something wrong. That's fair. So. It may not have all of the elements of the apology we're talking about. Sure. And again, I won't say I'm sorry, but right. I'll just say hey, I'm, I'm sorry that happened and I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. We'll try to not have this happen in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, you can yeah. certainly be factually correct but still hurt someone's feelings. Yes. <laughs> that's, a t- that's a tough one, too. I. Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple of hands up real quick. Um, there are a couple of times when... Um, I, I caught that in myself, especially like when I would come back from a, a day at school where I was, I, I was constantly like reading other people's arguments and and arguing with these authors and these other books. It's like this guy's wrong. It's like I was just in the zone. I was ready to argue, and then suddenly it's like, oh hey, I didn't. Yeah, like Linnea may have slightly exaggerated this one tiny thing. Normally, no big deal, but I was like, actually, no, Linnea, this happens 23% of the time, and I've got stats to show. <laughs> yeah, uh, Manette and then Katie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, right? The value of communication with your loved ones. Yeah. Katie? I don't think you can exaggerate the importance of listening for understanding. Yeah. Let me ask this question. And we've got, uh, we'll wrap up here. That clock is a few minutes fast. Let me ask this. When is it difficult for you to admit you're wrong? Say for the sake of this argument, you are objectively wrong. Okay. Say, let's, let's just say that, you know, if, if God, if you were to sit down between you and the other person you hurt and God, right, and God were to say, hey, buddy, you're in the wrong here. All right, he's the judge, okay, he's ruled. When is it difficult for you to admit you're wrong? 
Clay, yeah. I appreciate the apology, though. <laughs> Self-reflection is, yeah. uh, is a lot of what you're saying. Watching my wife and my daughter's head is not here to see. This is an area where this whole section is where I struggle. Sure. One of my big struggles. And um, we're working on, I think, a large part of it is how much invested you are in whatever feelings or what you perceive as right or your sure. stance. Yeah. The backgrounds of, and this is another area where I'm glad you mentioned the degree of, uh, so my parents are amazing, they walk away with their age of their struggle, then how am I going to break the, the right. chains of not yelling, not, is there better ways to do those types of things, something in an area where I struggle with as well. Yeah. Um, so those are tough scenarios where this is how you're going to do it, this is how you know it, but can I step back and see from their perspective that we're wired differently, we're different yeah. I struggle at times, although I feel I've gotten better, I struggle at times saying, well, no, that's really, why would that hurt your feelings? Or why would that be that way? To me, I'm like, yeah. yeah. But then that makes that worse because, you know, if it was something that was important to me that way, they were going to make right. me, I would be really upset or hurt. That's yeah. something I try to It is so difficult. Right. It is so difficult to, to be able to, it in, in a, in a helpful way to be able to step outside of ourselves sometimes and realize, okay, even though this is something that wouldn't bother me at all, I, I know you well enough to know that this must have really cut you pretty deep. Oh, okay, I can, even though I don't still totally get it, I, I, can, I can roll with this and we can, I can work on this. Yeah, it's tough. When it hits maybe at our, at our pride or the way we've always done it. Yeah. person on the job and yeah you unintentionally hurt a co-worker in some way. Joe uh, let's have your comment and then I'll wrap up with uh, with one final observation. Yeah. Um, my wife and I have been through a lot together. Mm -hmm. uh, we're still by, by worldly standards we shouldn't even be together. Mm -hmm. But there are times on layers and layers of hurt uh, even though we are what we are today there are times where things in the past will catch up and it'll be like, no, where would we be? You know, where would we be now had we not wasted 
this amount of time here. Sure. You know, so, and, you know, it's, and my, there was about 10 years there where it was just apology, apology, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And it makes it really tough, you know, over, you know, a decade of, of those kinds of things happening in the past to present day, you know, some of those things, there's a price to pay even now, you know, in certain regards. Yeah. So it makes it tough sometimes to apologize again. Brings up old wounds. Yeah. It's like, you know, one of the, you know, one of the human tendencies is let's just move forward. Right. And, you know, and, and progress now. Yeah. And it's not always got cut and dry. There is a point where you have to, I have to stop and go back. We have to stop and go back and hey, look, you know, reevaluate this. Yeah. Sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah. But those, those are the layers of apology that sometimes it's really hard work to get out. Yeah. And as we go through the next uh, few weeks here, we'll get into some of these other types of apologies that you've mentioned where we kind of work our way through this. Guys, we're at time. I'm going to wrap up with this one final observation, and uh, we'll appreciate y'all's time with us today. Two, uh, we've mentioned how kind of stepping outside of ourselves and, and really understanding somebody else, even if it's sometimes difficult to do so, understanding somebody else who is not like us is what it means to be a Christian. Because we are in a relationship with Jesus, fully God and fully human, and God the Father, who is completely and utterly entirely different from us. Right? So we have this practice. As Christians, we kind of get it that way. Right? And God has always been about this. He partnered with, He created humans and then partnered with us, basically set us up as his representatives on earth, right? And was walking in the garden because he wanted to be in relationship with us. And then he created two people who were essentially, biologically, very different, a male and a female. And in the garden, it's, you know, th these are kind of subtle things, but you have two people who are inherent, in, in important ways, they are inherently different. And Genesis 1 talks about the beauty of marriage, where people who are inherently different, are coming together to try to understand one another, to become one flesh. So, that's what it is to be a Christian. It's to understand someone who is essentially different from us. And we mirror that in our marriages, in our friendships, parenthood, and so on. Guys, appreciate y'all's time. Thank you very much. Y'all are dismissed.